Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. Uh, this is episode 21, I think. Uh, I'm your acting host, Phil Savage. Uh, Sam's not here this week, he's, he's at Gamescom. But I am joined by... Andy Kelly. Tom Senior. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I say, Sam's at Gamescom, the Games Conference. I wonder if he smelled South Park yet. Yeah, he has. He's filed his. He's filed his preview. Filed I've his, not had a chance to read it, and and his his reaction to simulated farts being blown up his nose. Yeah, a nauseous rift or something. Yeah, yeah. You wear it on your face, and you smell the game. You smell the game, and the game. That's a good discussion for later. Maybe what game? What what game would you most like to sniff? I actually asked this on Twitter, and it got quite a heated debate going. Which game worlds would smell the nicest, and which would smell the worst? We'll t- talk about that later. Now, there's a teaser for you. Nice. nice. Just hang around and you'll hear about we, smells. We just have to remember to do it now. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> we'll definitely forget. So, uh, it's been kind of a muted Gamescom from my perspective, but that could be because I've just been running around doing other stuff. I get, I get, you've been, been on the front lines, Tom. Has um, there been anything interesting happening? Not really. Uh, it's been a quiet one, I think. Uh, and that's because just every, we know everything that's happening. Mm. The, the, the only surprise that's happened at this Gamescom has been uh, Metal Gear Survival. Survivors. Metal Gear Survive. Are there Survive. any conferences happening? Did the, yeah, they, they've come, come and gone. And it was just, Have uh, they happened? Yeah, yeah Microsoft, yeah. And Microsoft did really. one, I think. Oh. Um, yeah, you did something. People just sort of coasting along, you know. Dishonored yeah. two still looks nice, and yeah. they're still not showing Mass Effect on Robert at all. Looks like exactly how you imagined it. Would yeah, look. precisely. Mm. Fine. Um, no, I'm not saying that's bad, but it's just yeah. <laughs> robots, <laughs> 60 FPS robots. Yeah, and South Park smells like parts, and yeah, you know, it's, it's got just parts all, in it. all known entities really. Yeah, uh, but Metal Gear Survive is the probably the big new, new thing that's drive everyone mad. Internet, everyone yeah. by surprise. Internet's Flipped itself inside out. So <laughs> flipped no. itself into an outrage. Rage. Yeah. So at the end of Grand Zeroes, Metal Gear Five Grand Zeroes, the um, mother base is attacked, uh, destroyed by Skullface and his Zoff <laughs> army. Mm-hmm. And uh, that scene where the cameras in the helicopter as Big Boss looks down on, on this burn, his home burning. Uh, Metal Gear Survive seems to then you see that from the perspective of a survivor on the burning mother base looking up at Big Boss flying away and but the then, game picks up from there which is quite cool twist. Yeah. yeah the twist wormholes. is wormholes open up in the sky and suck uh, debris of mother base into it and a lot and some, uh, some soldiers Militaires, San, San Frontier soldiers mm. mm-hmm. And yeah, and then they end up fighting sort of zombies with crystals in their heads. <laughs> so it's like a, it looks to be a kind of. It's obviously made in Fox Engine, um, yep. and it looks you know it looks like Metal Gear Five. It's the same visual style, which is a nice connective tissue, but it's seems to be some sort of co-op thing. Yeah, no one knows what it is. They've not really said much, which, you know, given that they're doing something that's so different to previous Metal Gear games, probably isn't the wisest thing they could do. Like, come out with some details at least to reassure the internet outrage. People are going, zombies! But then there were zombies in Metal Gear 5, so... (laughs) Yeah, and also <laughs> there's been co-op in the PSP version. What was the um, yeah Peace Walker? Peace yeah, Walker and it was great. That was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was really, really yeah. good. Well, like just from the, uh, the the sense of like having phantom pain systems uh, in an open world in four player co-op does sound kind of good. Yeah, like I, I get 
I think there's, there'd be a point in my life where I'd be outraged about disrespecting Kojima's batshit legacy or whatever, but I'm so over that now because Metal Gear Solid Five was just an amazing collection of systems. Like, the Phantom Pain was legitimately just good as a stealth action game. Yeah. And having more people in there could well could well sort of elevate that in some interesting ways. Yeah. And uh, but a thing a lot of people have latched onto uh, is the fear that it is kind of a Left 4 Dead sort of zombie survival horde mode thing. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's the case, but I can see why people might think that based on the trailer. If there's... The thing about the great stealth systems in Metal Gear 5 is that you're sneaking around mm. hum- human enemies with with, with thought processes, mm. whereas you can't... If the game's full of crystal head zombies, could those systems work as well? But we don't know if it's just full of we crystal head yeah, zombies. Yeah, and that's thing. it. There, there could be... They might have regular, just regular enemies in it. Or, regular old lads. Or they might, yeah. Trolling about. And we were concerned that the skulls, which were the worst parts of Metal Gear 5 by some... By some margin, that they might bring that sort of thing back. You fighting sort of supernatural. Well, that's the problem. Like, if that would suck. Yeah. If it is just if it is just crystal zombies, and the crystal zombies are anything like the skulls, this weird, inhuman, extrasensory perception where they yeah. seem to be able to target you from miles yeah, away. That was no, no fun. Like that, that was legitimate garbage sections of Metal Gear. Yeah, like, the worst points of the Phantom Pain. So yeah, but I think that's the only thing that really worries me right now. Yeah, yeah. We literally know so little about it. Yeah, and yeah it's two minutes of no cutscene basically. So There's, we um, don't a woman who's got uh, a bow because everyone has to have a bow in video yeah, games. In a survival game, especially. Uh, especially, yeah. um, and uh, the bow, the the arrow has a kind of rotating, grindy sort of thing on it, and she mm-hmm. shoots a zombie and it explodes yeah. through him. It's kind of, do you think crafting gadgets, yeah, upgradable weapons? There's the word survival weapons, but yeah. it makes you think of. Because if they're stranded in this sort of weird dimension, then presumably they're going to have to find food and stuff. I think there'll be some sort of... Maybe even like a Metal Gear Solid 3 um, uh, repairing injuries. Because Metal Gear Solid 3 had survival elements. You know, you were eating food and... Yeah. Keeping them in a cage so they stay fresh. (laughs) All that good stuff. So I actually kind of... Now, if they had the Metal Gear Solid 5 systems with Metal Gear Solid 3 style survival stuff, I'd be into that. But... Mm. Don't know about zombies. It's been interesting uh, seeing people flip out over the wormholes thing because mm. um, there is something strange about it. Even though there are, there are wormholes in Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain, yeah, yeah. You, you, there are devices you can upgrade to. You can create. research wormhole technology. Yeah. It's, yeah, like so it's in the fiction. Upgraded Fulton. Mm. It goes from a parachute to a wormhole, so you can uh, Fulton stuff out of buildings and stuff. People are kind yeah. of acting as though that's not already in the universe. Mm. They are. Yeah. I think the thing that sent people over the edge is alternate dimensions, and that yeah. seems to be a thing that the Metal Gear series has not actually quite ever done. And people are like, "What? That's too crazy for Metal Gear." <laughs> yeah. No, surely nothing is too crazy for Metal Gear. It's just the most. But crazy yeah, yeah, ever. nothing too crazy, and also it's a. An admittedly inelegant way of just jettisoning some fiction out of Metal Gear Land <laughs> and into Konami's own post-Kojima setting. I think even by Metal Gear standards, it's a bit wild. Like Metal Gear's grounded madness, <laughs> if such a thing. Can we? Can we? Whereas there's always a, 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 albeit ludicrous, explanation for all the you know stuff in Metal Gear from you know from liquid ocelot's arm well I was going to say remember the know. time when an old man pretended to be possessed by uh, the, the arm of a dead clone 
to fool an AI into giving him access to the war economy. But that, but that's a thing that feasibly could happen. <laughs> Whereas a wormhole to a dimension full of crystal zombies is less likely than a, a, a guy, you know, an, an AI. Is it less likely? Andy, it is. Like, wormholes could theoretically exist according to science. Whereas a spirit possessing someone by gluing their arm to them is it definitely... Did, but, no, but he, it was all psychology, he psychologically fooled himself into <laughs> thinking that he was liquid snake. He was a different person. Because people, you know, that, that could feasibly happen. Whereas the I think, crystal zombies couldn't. I think. I mean. I think. I think by like connecting those two plot points together, you, you, like the the possession of the dead arm and the hypnotism, does kind of retroactively excuse what was a very glaring and obvious, yeah. like mm. um, retcon, isn't retcon, it? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's daft, and Metal Gear is daft, but yeah. Yeah, it's fine, isn't it? Really? Just alternate dimensions just feel a step too far. I do enjoy that uh, this idea that the alternate dimension is basically Konami's IP world. It's like they, yeah. they have the corporate dibs on this world, and, and Kojima yeah. has the corporate dibs on the other one. Uh, and that's how they will always be separated. Yeah. Like, the timeline is so convoluted now anyway. It was yeah, probably about nuts, time they parachuted a bit of fiction into yeah. another universe so they could sort of start again. And It is better they, they do that than try and continue the Metal Gear story, like try and write their own continuation. Yeah. Because you have a story that would be genuinely think, worth getting upset about. Well, that's the thing people need to, yeah, think about is because, like, for all the reaction, for all the hashtag fuck Konami tweets that there have been over the last couple of days, like, what would the reaction be if they'd announced Metal Gear Six this time? We're inserting a bit of story here. Yeah, we play as young Liquid Snake or something. That yeah. that would have been annoying because it would have been like, you don't want another team continuing a story written by a, you know, a team that you. His previous work you like that never that ends up well, it. does it? I think they'll do it. I think um, yeah. co op survival kind of um, setup is it sounds like this, the type of game they could make the quickest with that IP. Yeah. And that doesn't mean they're not going to be doing Metal Gear 6. They'll definitely do that shortly. Which yeah. is money there. It isn't. just makes sense, yeah. yeah. But, but if, while you've got the Fox engine and it's still looking good and yeah. still responsible for one of one of the best games of last year, you might as well put it towards something else. Yeah. But hey, we'll see. But, I mean, we'll we'll see more than two minutes at some point, presumably. Yeah, uh, I hopefully. imagine Tokyo Game Show is coming up. That might have a little bit more, and then we can find out if we should be angry or not. <laughs> Speaking of games that the internet has been incredibly angry about, um, how about that No Man's Sky then? Oh, yeah, I'm so angry. <laughs> <laughs> but you love it, Andy. I know. You're, you're the opposite <laughs> of angry. Is this role playing? Just mm. fine. I don't love it. Mm. I'll clarify that. Okay. I really so, like it. Yeah, we should. Uh, you've been playing it, Andy, and Tom, you've been playing it, yeah? Uh, I've played it about five hours of it. Okay. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it at the moment. I've played zero yeah. of it, so I'm going to let you... At five hours, I think I loved it, and at ten hours, I think I still did, and then it's just slowly... I just realised that I don't... It's not quite rich enough hmm. in a game for me to really love, but as a as a flying around ambient experience, it's amazing. Hmm. As a screenshot wallpaper generator, hmm. it's... A beautiful thing. Um, Here's a question I don't think anyone's asked yet. What do you do in No Man's Sky? <laughs> what do you do? Well, it turns out that you do a tiny loop of stuff over and over again. It's, it's really one of the... Compared to the sort of infinite breadth of the universe, mm. the size of the, the loop is minuscule. It's just build... Um, essentially, it's just uh, get materials to build uh, warp cells to warp to the next system. That's the, the very... At its very base... Um, expanding on that, you can mine resources to build upgrades to make your ship faster, to make your jetpack fly longer, and stuff like that. But really, the 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 main if if you're pursuing it as a game to be finished, which is completely the wrong mindset to play it, and then it's just 
getting enough materials for warp cells to get to the next system mm. and ultimately get to the center of the galaxy. Um, but that's that's not if you play it like that, you're gonna hate it. Like it's not a good game, I don't think mm. at all. But it is a a great um, thing to be enjoyed in the same way as Euro Truck Simulator or like even stuff like Proteus or Abzu sort of for a recent example as a bit of yeah relaxing ambient experience. I think that's what it's great for. You don't have to, you know, I've, I. I'm not like I've only fought in self-defense. You know, you can just you can avoid combat pretty easily. Hmm. Um, I, what about you, Tommy? You playing it more as a I want to get somewhere type game? No, uh, similarly actually, I've, I've been playing it in just sort of twenty-minute chunks, and the, the very moment I get bored of a planet, I just leave. Yeah, and that's I, the right thing. People like feel obliged to stay on the planet and like find all the stuff. It's like there's eight, there's eighteen quintillion. Just if it looks <laughs> rubbish, go, yeah. find, the next one might look better. Like I, I like that's a good attitude to have where you just treat the planets as sort of expendable you, mm. don't, you don't have to commit to them just bugger off and that, there's one I, I kind of especially like and I, I really like some of the bleak ones actually where it's just mostly liquid in the occasional sort of volcano or something and yeah. hardly anything lives there mm. um, I, you know I could find myself spending quite a lot of time there especially if there's these big, big ob- obelisks to mine yeah the and barren ones are quite, quite nice. atmospheric there's, I found a barren one that was it was basically like a you know it was like the moon our moon it was all rocky with um, cave networks under it full of like glowing fungus and stuff but at night there was just weird like animal calls oh yeah and yeah. I never did find you know the source of them if indeed there were any and it was just a, a sand plate but it was that really cool feeling of night falling and just hearing all these distant like weird creatures and you, you just suddenly felt really like isolated and alien it was um I was on a planet where the scan was telling me that it was really rich in fauna and there were loads of animals, but I couldn't see any of them. Yeah. So I got in my ship, just flew, and I landed in this giant basin, and every animal in the planet was in there, <laughs> <laughs> just living living in this giant yeah, bowl. The, the clusters, they form up in some time, don't they? Yeah. yeah, just kind of weird dinosaur birds mooing at each other in this yeah. crater, just kind of milling around and not just getting along perfectly fine. They are cool, the creatures. I've seen some quite unique-looking ones, like big, long-necked dinosaurs and stuff. My only thing that I don't like about them is how in the early trailers um, you'd see them sort of behaving like they'd be running in herds or like bathing in the lakes mm. and you know had a bit of contextual I'm an animal doing something animally in this planet but whereas in the game they just sort of appear in groups and they just wander back and forth <laughs> yeah. there's no sense that they're like living in that environment it feels like they've been just dropped on it like it would have been hard obviously to to hand you know yeah. program these generated creatures to, to but maybe maybe not though like if it's near water it, mm. you know it triggers the yeah, bathing like, in water animation all know? the behaviours and animations need kind of programming anyway even around the yeah even so around that, like the proceduralness of their look yeah if so. it sees a tree maybe it goes and perches on it if it's a bird or something I, I, this is backseat game death but basically it's, it's just a bit weird how they're always just padding around aimlessly yeah. not really interacting with the environment in any meaningful way you can feed them metal though and sometimes they shit out, they shit out good stuff which is how wildlife <laughs> works yeah and it's really funny actually if you find a big group of, of creatures like in your your um, pit of animals just feed them all and they'll just wander around making like satisfied mewing noises and shitting out rocks <laughs> of, of minerals it's quite funny just to be like have like 20 animals all shitting out like your own little you know ram mineral factory <laughs> I've quite enjoyed um, meeting the aliens as well actually um, yeah the writing's actually really good isn't yeah, it yeah it's really yeah, quite evocative yeah. 
Um, I, I love the alien obelisks you can find, and the way that you kind of slowly fill in this, these languages that you're you're you encountering. Get little um, hallucinations, like text adventure, little moments. Like mm. I, I played at lunchtime, and there's one where um, loads of tiny metal spiders were crawling oh, yeah. over my one. head. Yeah, and you can like you know what you choose to do. The outcome is always like you get a blueprint or you take damage, mm. but it's still just a cool little story where you like you know, and and you can if you know how each race behaves as well you can play to that so mm. like the warrior race the viking they will like it when you do something like alpha you like take control of the situation you'll get a reward for that right. whereas the gek um the little traders like ferengi frog ferengi things like it when you do something that you know is about making money or mm. being uh taking advantage of something like that's kind of cool that it, you can learn about the race and informs your decisions and you, you do have a kind of allegiance with them and, and if they like you more um, it's weird with the warrior guys because you have to feed them carbon and yeah. then they'll give you stuff yeah. so it's kind of a very strange it's almost like the, that's how I work <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if they like you enough you can get them to kind of re- refill your shields or refill your ship and stuff yeah, like that they all like me at the moment apart from the Corvax which are the Daft Punk robot headmen oh yes I'm um, like my reputation with them is low and they, what happens is when you see them in a station they don't wave to you <laughs> so if I see a, a geck he'll, like, he'll wave at me or if I see a, a viking they'll wave if I see a Corvax they just they just it's ignore no man, really me. blanked by a blank face robot. <laughs> yeah. It's just the most blanked you can possibly be. There's a cool be. little sci-fi <laughs> thing there where they sort of download different ver- different people into the those suits. Hmm. There's some cool like you know, sci-fi thought going into the races and yeah, there's some quite funny encounters as well that are a bit like red dwarf in the humour and I think I, I accidentally agreed to marry like a Viking princess or something. <laughs> but of course, I just warped straight out of that system. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna live up to that end of the bargain. <laughs> so I, I have been in, in more hours. You'll find them chasing you down. <laughs> See, that would be great. Be stuff like that. But the game's just not that. Yeah. No, it's, it's not, not that deep. So I guess you, I've only played it for like five hours, and I guess it seems to me that people who played it for about twenty hours suddenly bump up against its limitations. It always seems to be about that amount of time yeah, as well. Yeah, that. A few people yeah, I've spoken to have, have said they got to the 19, 25 hour mark. And yeah, it's, that's one of the, the limitations of that. When you realise how small that loop is, mm. it becomes. Yeah. The, the problem is you when you're on a planet and you see a green question mark. I'm at the point now where I know ex- uh, I know of what five things it's going to be. It's going to be uh, uh, just a um, a, sat- a like a marker that will save my progress, or it'll be a building which will be one of five buildings, like a mining outpost or. A, um, you know, a colony or something like that, and then it, you know, there's just like there's a handful of things you can discover on planets, and it just reuses them. Yeah. So, the, the sense of discovery goes in terms of finding interesting things. What becomes interesting now is seeing the actual planet, the light, the color of the sky, and mm. the type of grass and type of creatures there are. That's more interesting than just going. Oh, I'm going to follow that marker and find a monolith that will teach me a word in Gek or something. So I think it becomes in about twenty hours, you know exactly what you're going to find at every one of those question marks it doesn't surprise you anymore hmm. what yeah and what so what does surprise you is very occasionally you see a weird rock formation of big floating islands in the sky or something that's what drives me now the actual planets landscape as opposed to what's on them because it's always going to be 
yeah, one of the few things. Listen, they can update though, isn't it? Like you're right that you see a lot of the same prefab buildings with the same yeah. things inside them. So, for several times already, in, just in the first few hours, I found the same building that's been overrun by kind of alien fungus, yeah. and there's always a stinger fungus at the top right as you go through a certain doorway, and it's always exactly the same. There's a different little story when you interact with the computer in that. Mm. Be a little text adventure type thing, and it'll be different, but they the booing's the same. And yeah, and you know what you're going to get from it as well. Like you get, you're going to get a blueprint, or materials, or money, or standing with either faction or a language, and that's it. Like this, mm. Yeah, it's, that's the thing they can do in updates, though. Just expand that pool of things that are at these question marks on each planet, and maybe make some of them incredibly rare, so that when you do see one, you go, "Well, I never saw that before." Mm. As opposed to they seem to be equally doled out. It does seem like they've got a pretty strong base from which to add things to now. Yeah. Like, uh, e- even if it's... And it's weird, like, normally I'd play for something for 20 hours and if I got bored of it after that, I'd be like, eh, fair enough. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've had my 20 hours with that. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, if it becomes a case of, oh, well, they've done an update and they've added things that'll squeeze another 10 hours of out of it for me. Like, mm. a, a nice thing to go back to every year or so, maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 The 20 hours I got out of it, I, I, you know that's fine that's, that's your limit with games anyway isn't it yeah like 20 hours boom done yeah, it's exactly, yeah I mean that's fine if you get 20 hours of entertainment out of anything that's it's achieved something and yet No Man's Sky does seem to have drawn a disproportionate amount of like hand wringing over whether it does enough and yeah um, it's not, and it's even not like whether they sh- whether the developers should be held to the standard shown in the first trailer yeah. like I don't know it seems like people want it to become a consumer advocacy issue without really knowing whether it is well these people are expecting like a sim like elite like it doesn't have uh, any interest in uh, ship handling or doesn't have nuanced combat like elite hmm. you know, with, with um, managing your power and stuff like that it's just really it's, it's really basic and really um, accessible so really yeah it's like it's not a deep sim it's a really accessible you know just flying around looking at stuff game I mean, I've, there seems to be a lot of controversy about expectation and like uh, people expecting a different game. But I went back to read our old previews of it mm. in the wake of this, and it is what we described it as. Like you, Andy, like your last preview of it a few months ago, described landing on a barren planet yeah. and what that was like. And it yeah. was, you know, didn't you even ask Sean Murray well, what happens if the player lands on a shitty planet like that? And he's like, yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, and that's ha- that has happened to a few people actually. Yeah. they've spawned on an absolute. <laughs> just shit nothing time. there. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's the nature of procedural generation and and the rest of it. And I I don't know. Um, this has happened with a few games now. This idea that the first trailer is. Uh, taken as being as what the game will finally look like even the witcher 3 which looks amazing mm. uh the, the initial trailer for that like there are a lot of fans going oh it doesn't look the same because that's yeah, kind of target footage videos youtube comparison it's like it doesn't look as good as this sort of target <laughs> sort of footage from five years ago the opposite of what's happened with metal gear survive a thing <laughs> from which you can glean almost no information but it's taken to one extreme either that's the worst or fuck me that is going to be the, the best thing in the, the world the best thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> Um, it's interesting maybe like those videos could be a bit more clearly labelled so for example you see pre-alpha footage put on them and that's kind of uh, like in the industry you know that that's just not the game yet Mm. but that is an industry term and consumers don't necessarily know what that phrase means and you know whereas target footage says oh this is what we're aiming for and this is the vision uh, and it doesn't actually imply that that's what the final game is going to look like maybe a little bit more honest wording around those first trailers would help people 
avoid this outrage. Yeah, like that that first trailer, like it's really when you look at it, it's really handcrafted. And yeah, they've been hand, the the dinosaurs have been placed and animated to like dip their head in the water at the precise moment the player looks at them. Mm. And that it it does the, the planets do feel more. I mean, like I said earlier about the way the creatures just all pad around in circles and don't feel connected. Like that. Obviously, they're going to have a bit of you know handcrafting of these early things to say here because by that point there'll be no game. Mm-hmm. They have to sort of create what they think will look like, and every every developer does that. But it it, it is weird looking back at that first trailer, and, and you do feel a bit melancholy about. Mm-hmm. Could have. Yeah, that's, that's that's what I wanted. I didn't, I got I got something approaching it, but not not the full whack. It's right. really quite weird in that, like on the one hand, yeah, I get your point. Like they could be more honest about what the footage is, and that's like technical stuff that would actually be just quite handy from a from a consumer point of view but at the same time you don't want to go you don't want to create this incredibly evocative trailer and then like immediately have to release a statement saying oh don't worry no it's actually just going to be shit <laughs> you've read way too much into this we're just yeah. making a shit game sorry guys yeah, like, you want it's, it's, people it's to be you know captured by the magic of this thing you're creating mm. and it does then put a lot of pressure on you especially if like hello you're kind of taken under Sony's marketing wing and put on an E3 stage and mm. uh, everything's been raised up until the stakes are the stakes are insane insanely high for a, what what is a tiny team essentially yeah i think that is imagine if this game had come out just come out of nowhere yeah. as, as an indie game just as it is without all of the preamble I think we'd be a lot more positive about it actually yeah, and I think a lot of people would be and would be like really excited about it I and mean, it's like Outer Wilds but a procedurally generated version that lasts forever <laughs> it didn't help the, the sort of reputation among certain groups of people by the game running poorly on launch because now a week later or whatever it's, yeah, it's fine isn't fixed. It? like with the latest NVIDIA driver and the latest patch that they've put just put up today actually which was previously um, accessible on like an experimental branch mm. on Steam um, it runs perfectly now I was playing it today on at, um, 4k perfectly smooth 60 fps on, on a GTX 970 and like I don't think it would have been as much neg- negativity orbiting it if it came out running fine yeah it's it a whole package so nice of things to, isn't to it play. Like, when I first loaded it up when it, on, the, on the day it came out just ran horribly and it really soured that initial impression mm. it ran fine for me it's weird it seems like a portion of people just had yeah. a great shit experience with it but yeah and like people you know Hashtag people say it was PC hot. gaming yeah. <laughs> yeah there's people like crying you know immediately like knees smashing through the table the desks going oh it's, it's like Arkham Knight it's a disaster it's like a bit of tweaking you can get it running you yeah know? I mean like people are worried when they pay like it's still what 40 quid or so and if you pay that and your game's not running that's just a bad thing that you don't yeah. want to happen to you and yeah, yeah it's, it's all yeah. very well thinking oh right well it'll probably be okay in two weeks but yeah, it's annoying then, it's just it? like the, the reactionary part of your brain is just like fuck this is money I've wasted on shit well I, I actually I bought it um, we don't often buy games because we often get something <laughs> for free and but we, we didn't for uh, No Man's Sky and I took a sort of gamble on it I mean that's Forty quid's a lot of money. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I and I feel uh, when it wasn't running, it was a bit of annoying stuff. And I thought they'll probably iron this out. I'll give them a week, and now it's running fine. And I feel like I got I've gotten forty quid out of it. You know, forty quid's worth of entertainment, and I'm still gonna dive in and just take screenshots. And I mean, there's a, a tool's been released by Dead End Thrills, which is a great sort of virtual photography website. Mm. Um, 
and they've just released a tool that lets you um, disable the HUD and control the camera and stuff. So that is going to extend the life of it even more for me. Hmm. Um, although Hello Games have actually talked about including their own photo mode. Um, so they like, definitely it's weird that they and it, yeah, like on the consoles, the, there was no option to disable the HUD. So like the first wave of screenshots that came out of the game all had like the HUD on. It's like you made this amazing <laughs> sort of galaxy. Let people see it. In yeah, Miami. they probably had so much to get ready in time for launch. <laughs> yeah. that, like there was in the PC version, though, but then uh, it didn't take away. There's a weird like vignette effect on the screen. Um, but the, this tool lets you get rid of that. So I think I'll I'll probably get another like six seven hours out of it just floating around taking screenshots and marveling at stuff there's a, there's a lot of planets that aren't that are like brown and not that impressive but then like you'll land on a moon and it'll be like fluorescent orange grass and you'll see the planet hanging in the air yeah i love that stuff yeah. i love being able to see other planets from planet services yeah, that's moon, amazing yeah if you see a moon just always land on moons because it's like screenshots plus <laughs> yeah. they all look amazing yeah and then like it's, it's a really cool thing i've noticed that whenever i'm lining up a screenshot like a, three starships will fly by <laughs> leaving a trail I, and i'm convinced it's programmed so that if you stare at one spot for enough time <laughs> They spawn and fly past us because it's too convenient sometimes. We yeah. feel like they're always at the right angle just to give you a screenshot that bit of bit of extra <laughs> sci-fi magic. Lovely. So I bet I bet Sean Murray was like, he's he's got some bit of code in that. So you just look at <laughs> something for a while. Yeah, yeah. Bet he did. <laughs> <laughs> he taught he when I interviewed him actually when I went over there for a cover feature. He said he does all the press screenshots and he said that it takes him like days. <laughs> He says it really stresses him out, like trying to get the perfect shot. So mm. I bet he's, uh, I bet he's like put some in there for himself. That's, <laughs> that's my conspiracy for sure. <laughs> yeah. So the ultimate themes I take away is like there are some very pleasant experiences and to be had and sights to be seen. But if you're looking for an actual video game, yeah, maybe by Elite. Yeah, yeah, the, the Elite, uh, uh, No Man's Sky with Elites ship handling and, and depth would be would be pretty damn good but you know that's just two different we, yeah, things yeah. once again we're just building a magic <laughs> yeah. hyped about we'll stop doing that just, <laughs> just go into No Man's Sky with their, if you go in with reasonable expectations and you aren't expecting a, a EVE Online uh, Elite Dangerous type space sim and you'll probably love it more yeah. alternative if you're after a kind of space crafty game with loads of depth then check out Starbound oh of course yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a, a great kind of you know fly to a place build a, a castle and then go exploring upon well, weird aliens Subnautica actually is, um, very reminds me of No Man's Sky a lot which is a survival game set underwater hmm. and it has a lot more depth as well so Subnautica is a good <laughs> more depth yeah <laughs> but yeah there's, there's, there's a lot of better survival crafty games but uh, the crafting stuff in No Man's Sky is fine it's just very shallow yeah also check out Outer Wilds which is uh, another kind of planet to planet game but all the planets are sculpted and uh, you know it's not procedurally generated yeah, just one solar system just one solar system but it's great yeah. loads of exciting no stuff money. I don't think you can actually check that out in terms of playing the demo anymore oh no they've taken they off removed that um, but it has had a successful Kickstarter campaign oh, good. or fig campaign I guess yeah. Um, so there'll be trailers about uh, the, the the soundtrack itself is amazing as well. Like it's, that that's something to really look forward to. Yeah, awesome. but don't don't overhype it in your head. <laughs> and get a download Space Engine if you've got no money and you want to fly around a, a beautiful procedural universe. Hmm. That's just nice free. nice space sites for that, free. That is a great uh, wallpaper generator. Mm. Like you can mm. output screenshots at really high resolutions yeah. of amazing Sweet. looking you know, space stuff. So, yeah. Okay, right. well, away from space and from last week's releases, let's turn to 
was it next week's release? Next week, yeah. 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 Deus Ex Mankind Divided is out on Tuesday. Uh, mm-hmm. We've all played it uh, to review it for various different outlets. We were um, given code way, way early, which is really rare these days. Yeah. yeah well, it's I, I finished it two weeks ago <laughs> as we recorded It's this. a big game as well. There's yeah. lots to it. Really it's exciting. Quite, you know, quite I don't know, you know, very rather we get cut that early, but yeah. it's great because it yep. gives you time to yeah, properly play it. Yeah, As this it podcast all. is released, the reviews will be up now, so you can read Andy's on PCGamer.com. Yeah. Uh, you'll be able to read mine on GamesRadar.com. And you can read Tom's by buying a physical magazine in a few weeks. By the, the wonderful Games Master. Yeah. My words will be in there. We'll review it then. <laughs> well, this, this is what, you'll notice this in future. What happens is an immersive sim is released and all the editors are like, oh, let's just get the PC game. Like, <laughs> they love that shit. This yeah. is too PC for... <laughs> so yeah, Mankind Divided is yeah, the set two years after Human Revolution. Mm. Continues the story of Adam Jensen, gruff man in an overcoat. <laughs> Uh, who wears sunglasses at night? Um, yeah, and it's it's about it's a game about conspiracies, hacking. It's a sex game, yeah. <laughs> climbing through events. Oh, so it's about so many doing events. side missions and walking around a, a, a almost slightly over-designed futuristic. <laughs> yes, city. yeah. Absolutely. And new new for this entry in the series, it's about racism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah, so, yeah it's someone you know, I just. I just Montreal have sat and watched a lot of like you know documentaries about Wait. civil rights and, and racism in, in, in America and then went what if this was in the future and it was robots instead of to be fair to, races? Them, mm. to give them some some small credit before we launch off into this <laughs> like human revolution did have a plot point like it ended with every augmented person in the world going 28 days later crazy yeah and you kind of have to address that, I think. Yeah. Like, you can't then do a sequel set two years yeah, later that's and everyone's a bad like, point. God, that was, that, was, that was a bad day, wasn't because, it? Anyway. Because Adam Jensen knows that that was caused by the meddlings of yeah, the yeah, villainous, you, you know whereas exactly people in the do, world yeah. just think, oh, augmentations yeah. make you crazy. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's a fair point. They did have to handle that in some way, but some they of have the, to address it. Um, yeah, some like, of the parallels are a bit. I don't think they've Clumsy. helped with like the the pre-release marketing, like showing off posters saying "Org Lives Matter," and yeah, which they like, said was just a coincidence. Like, come on, uh, yeah. is that actually in the game or any of that? I didn't it's, see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I mentioned it in my preview before that all that stuff came out online oh, because course, I saw yeah, a poster yeah, yeah. in Prague that says it on it, which is, it, you know, using real world stuff to give context is uh, fine, especially in Cyberpunk, which does that a mm. lot, but. Mm. It's, it's just handled, but it's not very tactful or handled artfully. It's a bit, like, it's a bit. See, it's like they're looking at you and going, "See, do you see what we're doing here?" Do you get the point. <laughs> yeah, it's like, the yeah, I do. Also, hey. it's, it's kind of got to get on your own carriage on the public transport. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. It's quite funny though because you can you can just walk through. You're Adam Jensen, so you just walk. Yeah, now, I, I think this is my biggest problem with it. I mean, like, admittedly, Andy's right, it gets very on the nose at times, especially mm. with like, the posters and that. Um, but I think the Human Revolution did a good like job at looking at, okay, so we've got this human augmenta- augmentation technology, and, you know, it's great for people who want that and want to, like, improve their body and stuff. But also, it's used in some really shitty ways in Human Revolution. Mm. And it seems like, yeah, we're, we're moving to a sort of logical end point of that here, where the people who were the worst affected by augmentation becoming a thing in this universe are now also the worst off mm. and in the worst position. And I'm fine with all of that stuff. The problem sort of becomes where 
Jensen. Jensen always has an option to relate to it, to be like, oh, I'm augmented too, I know how you feel. And it's like, no, you fucking don't, mate. You are immune to all of this stuff because you are, like, you, in, in Mankind Divided, he works for Interpol, this special terrorist task force, and he's got special Interpol papers. And when the cops see him, they're like, yeah, can't do anything to you, clearly. Just come on through. Like, mm. you can break the rules of this world and all that happens is a couple get make a pissy comment at you. Whereas, like, the, the unspoken kind of reality of that world is if any other augmented person did it, they would have the shit kicked out of them. Yeah, and also he's... Uh, whilst augmented people are dying because they can't afford or access yeah. neuropathy, all, the drug all, all augmented people need a thing to stop their body rejecting, rejecting their mechanical yeah. mutations. But Jensen doesn't need it, and that was actually a plot point in the first game where they were. He was like the medical marvel that his then girlfriend Megan was sort of using to. She was doing it. Was she presenting some amazing revelation about that? But then yeah, the, the, the terrorist attack or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, basically, he's like, a, he doesn't need neuropathy. He's a medical miracle. And it's like yeah. he literally, but like nobody believes that this is the. Like, he, he talks yeah. to the psychologist, and she's he's like, oh, would you believe me if I told you my body doesn't reject augmentation? It's like, no, I flat out wouldn't. I think you can like, prove that so easily, like just sit in a room with me. <laughs> yeah, look, look, for six I'll, months, <laughs> and if my arms haven't fallen off in six months' time, then I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> See, yeah. yeah the, it's set in Prague. Is it a spoiler to say there's only one city hub? Well, I say it in my review, so it doesn't matter. No, there's only one city hub. I think it's better to know that going in because if you're expecting more, yeah. then I, I was really disappointed I by it. I was waiting the whole time for right. to get in this VTOL and fly off yeah. to London or something. I would yeah. rather have known, and because Prague is actually awesome, and it's really big, and there's loads of stuff going on there, and it's, it's, a, it's a great city hub that kind of changes over the course of the game. Yeah. But if you're there, like expected to go to like New York or London yeah. or something, then and then that will be that, that was will a really sting. Shame for me. That was it always feels like the least jet setting of all the days. Yeah, and it's yeah. slightly a shame. It's like always great the contrast of seeing like. Hangzhou and Detroit was mm. so different, and Hong Kong and New York were so different. And yeah, seeing two cultures in this future, mm. and that's why you just see one, which, which is, is uh, yeah. yeah. It, it feels like uh, I did feel sad about that because yeah. their the, their kind of vision of the future is so exciting. Like yeah. I, I just want to see more takes on it. And you see, kind of, you hear about this three D printed city and here, and you know this other kind of crazy city over here, and you know Wouldn't people. Would be nice to see one that wasn't under like martial law. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's it. Like, like they make it quite clear that. Prague is probably at the the most extreme version of the bad things are happening to orcs. So it would have been interesting to then go to like the place where all the rich augmented yeah. people are, yeah. where they're plotting to build their own haven away mm. from the rest of the world and stuff. Because you know, on the nose parallels, rich people are not yeah. affected by this at all. So it's and they kind of tease you with it all the time. They tell you about the stuff, this exciting yeah. stuff that's happening all over the world. And yeah. because Deus Ex has always been about traveling around and really seeing a lot of different things, you kind of expect to be able to really go there at some point. You go to two other countries, mm. but it's for quite short missions. Yeah. And uh, it's all set so I think like you have to brace yourself with that before you go in, and and yeah. once you've kind of accepted that, actually, it's, it's still a, a great game. The game itself it is really, really, hub, don't they? really see, good. You, there's yeah. three flavors of it, basically. There's, mm. I won't spoil it, but yeah, there's three versions of the setting, um, each of which presents different missions and different atmosphere and stuff. And different areas open up as well. Yeah. Um, as you kind of go through, and that yeah, it's just that. It's those expectations you bring to Deus Ex yeah. kind of 
make that uh, more of a sticking point than it might be in a, in a, a different game. And yeah, something like they clearly just saying, okay, when we couldn't do that this time because we wanted to make Prague as detailed and mm. as cool as we can. And to an extent, they've done that. Like Prague is a really cool place to just explore, and it's full of secrets and little stories and points of interest and interesting design choices. And and within there, there are also some much bigger like spaces where they mm. can create proper immersive sim levels as well yeah like the the bank is there and that is probably one of the best levels of the year amazing bank is fantastic amazing like, and it's level. a space you have access to like from the very start pretty yeah. much as well like it has its place across the critical path but if you just want to go there and toy with this with what they build to be an impenetrable <laughs> system uh then you can do that and I had so much fun doing that just for my own amusement yeah, it's, it's the first so thing you think when you go in there when you're exploring you see all these um, security guards and turrets and cameras and, and it think, does oh, look I break in that yeah it does yeah. look like imposing yeah. amount of security and turrets and robots and it's bad called things. the Palisade Bank it's like everything Palisade. about it it's this towering obelisk that you can see from almost anywhere in Prague yeah. as well and, and it's the most challenging place to get and into upside down tree outside it it does that's the thing about the, the, the world building is Mostly great. Uh, there's a great, a great sort of vision of a future. But some go, of it's so overdone. They do like, go fucking overboard, don't they? Yeah, there's sort of weird, there's sort of bizarre sculptures on every street corner where it's some artist that died. Uh, Montreal's gone. I want to create. What about the giant, the giant rock? That's hanging by chains just over a, a street. Yeah. It's like, what is that? Why some of the, the attention to detail, like on little things, even like just in apartments, like the, you know. Uh, futuristic toasters and TVs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So much thought has gone into every little object, which is, which we, you know, gives the world some credibility. But then there's some of it you look at it and go, that's just too futuristic. <laughs> there's just like, too many triangles. Yeah. There's a uh, Prague itself is a, a cool choice for for this because it's very very old city, obviously. Yeah. And they do uh, very consciously like mash the old stuff into yeah, the new stuff. That's great, that's the, the kind of the conflict between those two things is very very. Yeah, um, intentional like, it's almost remind me of City 17 where you've got this old architecture being like eaten mm. by big yeah. brutalist yeah, 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 metal structures and there's some brilliant stuff when it when actually uh, night falls there it looks fucking amazing yeah. like it, it, you, it, you, go, you go out and it's quite grey and you think oh it's alright when you go back there and it's night time it's like holy shit that's probably yeah, awesome a cyberpunk space it's really cool yeah, uh, and you get these um, you get like the stone buildings but there's kind of screens like transparent screens around them yeah. and the screens will sometimes just change the facade of the building into an advert and then yeah, it will just go back yeah, to being an old the buildings yeah it's really really cool stuff it, it just you, every street you go down you see something like that that's just crazy and worst, awesome uh, I, I think it's the, the not the worst the, the least good <laughs> um, DSX nightclub yeah though I think I was a bit disappointed by the okay. there's always a mm. great futuristic club remember the hive in Hengshan oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. those amazing like beehive shaped uh, hexagonal lights and stuff I think the club in this one I was a bit disappointed mm. the red queen it's called oh yeah yeah, it's not I never a, really it's felt it was enough club. of a, a central focus of like the game to really be like, oh yeah, well, because they tend to make a bigger thing of the club, especially the hive that was. Whereas this just seemed to be like, yeah, we've got yeah. we've got a red light district. Yeah, we've got to have some shady folks there too. Yeah. What about the game itself then? What about the kind of sneaking, stabbing, hacking, well, the, shooting? The, the systems are great. There's something you know experimenting with the orgs is great but the actual movement I didn't like in Human Revolution mm, I don't like either it's really weightless and twitchy there's a few bits we've got to do a bit of platforming and climb up the side I, of the buildings fine it feels so is, twitchy yeah, mm. fine platforming is definitely a weak spot Just don't, I don't, Jensen doesn't feel I don't enjoy moving around with him 
as much uh, as, as much as like in Dishonored, where the movement in Dishonored is perfect oh, yeah. for me. The feeling of weight and the blinking around is just so slick. Whereas Genesis was a bit clumsy. Hmm. I'm like moving around like yeah in in general platforming definitely is not a game strong point. You can, uh, one of the, the the so there's a bunch of new orcs. There's seven of them. One of them is Blink from Dishonored. Yeah. Um, where you can hold down it's called Icarus a, Dash Icarus Dash yeah. yeah because Icarus famously dashed towards the sun <laughs> it dashed towards the sun yeah and um, so I mapped it to my middle mouse button mm, nice. so I, I used it constantly where you can just hold, in the, hold down the charger up and like point at a balcony and Jensen will basically teleport to mm. the balcony and you can upgrade it so that you can dash into cover mm. so you can like jump you know teleport across a room into cover which is really you know so useful that I feel like it, everyone should get it straight away yeah. it feels so intrinsic to the the sort of navigation and that's cool but again it's not quite it's, it's quite unresponsive sometimes it won't it won't lock on to the bit you want to jump to mm. as, right. as whereas Blink in Dishonored is just so effortless you can just point somewhere and without thinking just jump up there it's almost like the cursor is much better in Dishonored than it is it's, it's almost only that simple where yeah. the, the, the angle of the cursor in Dishonored actually show, shows you when you're landing on a flat surface yeah, yeah. and when you're actually going to mantle and when you're not and it's almost that feedback it's actually so cool. I've found the UI um, you should definitely go into the settings in the PC version because you can you have total mastery of the UI and you should yeah. definitely turn most of it off because it's very visually cluttered a lot yeah. of quite noisy and like <clears throat> the way they do uh, objectives and stuff is like it was segmented especially for navigating a city so it's actually really confusing just following mission markers so mm. it's probably better to just figure it out on your own and really, yeah, it's really read the map. through it there's a, a brilliant option which I, I wish was in every game which is a kind of adaptive HUD where if you're not doing any actions it yeah. all fades away and just yeah. lets you kind of walk around and I wish every game would have that um, I think Nix is, is the company that did the port for um, Mankind Divided it's the same and people who did Human Revolution really good yeah you can turn your sort of ammo gun counter off in Division and it only comes on when you're in a fight which is yeah you can shrink the HUD right down because if you're if you're kind of three feet away from a high resolution monitor the the HUD can be tiny <laughs> you just don't need it to be and that it's big it's got the, the hot key bar as well, the classic DSX yeah, thing of putting really well. your number keys and map them to the items you use yep. the most, which would be bio cells, because yep. there's no more energy bars in it, they have got rid of those ludicrous energy bars that you'd have to munch on yeah. constantly. Yeah. So it, it feels like, for me all the mechanics have been refined since um, Human Revolution, I even yeah. enjoyed the shooting a lot more I enjoyed the fact that you see the hit, hit, hit registration when you hit someone, there's a little yeah, cross well. really really like that, felt really satisfying um, the guns look and feel kind of sleek and beautiful and you, you can you attachments now and you can look at them like crisis style and put new ammo in or kind of attach a silencer or whatever you want to do they've with it taken about the, I've noticed that they've quite blatantly just taken stuff from other games which is fine, <laughs> yeah. like, so they've taken the blink from Dishonored, yeah. the gun customization from customization from crisis Bioshock 2 remote hacking from Bioshock 2 yeah yeah absolutely Mm. so the remote hacking is like another rock that you should just get straight away because it makes a triviality out of any tripwire turret camera because you can just point at it from a distance (laughs) complete an easy mini game and turn it off Mm. for 20 seconds Um, yeah but it's straight out of Bioshock 2 and that's fine like looking at other immersive sims or other it's a genre that likes to borrow from itself a lot yeah Yeah, it's just fine like it's quite Blatant them when you know that you're like I've seen this before. Yeah, that's if it makes the game better. It doesn't matter. And, I uh, mean, yeah. you know, you know what their intentions are anyway. But I mean, guess what the first door code is? Is it? Yeah, yeah. No, really, I thought they. 
they're so they're so actually invested in it now that they don't <laughs> even give you a like they don't give you the bit of paper that says the first door code is this right oh, so it's, it's part of the hacking tutorial uh, if you know what that door code no is no way that's awesome <laughs> I'm glad it's in there that I feel pop it in and you get an achievement I feel bad mm. now for, for complaining that it wasn't in it mm. but it was in it in a very clever way yeah, it's, uh, no, what it doesn't do though. It, you don't get told off for going into the ladies' bathroom. That's rate, true. You know, yeah, no, so it's serious. I was like, Unaco uh, and Sarif Industries is your um, task force twenty nine headquarters, and you can walk around and rob everyone's office as as, as you do. Yeah, as yeah. You do, but you don't get scolded for going into the ladies' <laughs> bogs, which is mandatory in a day sex game really. or maybe it's really well hidden or, or, <laughs> like the code thing. So uh, I've that too, and I'm I'm, I'm bogged for yet. <laughs> And I've experiment with these things. I pretty much love the game. I think the, the level design is amazing, and some of the side missions are fantastic. There's yeah. one where you have to knock a guy out, just drag him out of an apartment complex. That that's fully guarded. Yeah. Really yeah. funny. Uh, really, really great. And you know, you've got you've got this limp, like muscly gangster man, and you just got to how the hell am I going to get him out of this place? The body manipulation, like dragging bodies, is kind of clunky. <laughs> that way, yeah. against physics is. Yeah, so yeah. That just kind of makes it hilarious as it's well. A really good mission. The, the worst thing for me is the story. I, th- I think it's, mm. I think it's a bad, badly written game overall, and I think that the ending's really abrupt. Uh, Jensen isn't fleshed out at all. It's not really about Jensen, is it? Like they've they've sort of done his story, and they're just like, all right, he's well, an avatar now, now, isn't he? Now we've got to sort of now we're sort of shifting everything into gear for we will slowly make our way towards yeah. the state the world. So you still in have to have a bit of a compelling main character if you've been asked to be him for thirty hours. Like I want to care about him on some deeper level. And you have to look at him a lot, like they. The camera's on him a lot, and he's, he really feels like he, he should... Why has he, he done that thing with his beard, where he's got, like, two little triangles <laughs> in the side of his beard? His triangles, man, they just, yeah. just couldn't, that? couldn't avoid that, it. Well, I found that really distracting all the way through. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Uh, he's got a lovely coat, though. Yeah, that's Really, good really good coat. Um, good beard. Less silly beard. The beard was stupid, and uh, Human Revolution is super pointy, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, I think it was, like, it was a really humorless game as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I really yeah. missed... There, there were jokes... There are jokes kind of in some of the emails and stuff, but nothing like in previous day sexes, which were genuinely funny at points, intentionally no so. Moments to on par with uh, Gunther <laughs> crying about getting the wrong soda. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's a great moment. A bit pole-faced, uh, I think it's fair to say, yeah, especially some of its like social commentary, which is very like just a bit like obvious. And it's, I find it exhausting, really, because um, in Human Evolution, technology is exciting, and uh, limb augmentation and Sarah's vision is exciting and all the kind of beautiful adverts and the, the, their vision of technology and how the future might pan out is really optimistic and yeah. obviously it goes wrong and everything but there's still just at, at its heart an excitement about technology and cool future stuff whereas in Mankind Divided it feels like a nihilistic game in many ways it's just yeah. no one has anything to believe in or care about uh, everyone is in a miserable state and there's just literally no way out of it for anyone yeah. and everything is pointless and so sh- just it's basically humanity is shit and yeah. no one could do anything about it yeah and it, well, you know if you're going to spend 30 hours in that world it's just kind of grates on you a bit and when there's no kind of levity at all there's no like relief and jensen is so relentlessly grumpy and doesn't even have a kind of personality or arc yeah. or th- any stake in what's going on really He's He's, yeah and and you know, Geralt never smiles or laughs very much, but he's, there's still humour around humor him. Yeah, it, yeah. It's just, I think like Blood and Wine is hilarious. It is like, hilarious, yeah. Amazing. Really, really funny. Um, and I, th- I always mistrust things that just don't have any humour in it at all, because it's actually quite inhuman. Yeah. It's like it's something quite cold about it, and it, it, which I found quite exhausting, mankind divided. It felt like a series of cool um, cyberpunk 
concept art sections um, that yeah. I loved looking at but didn't feel the kind of excitement and buzz that I normally do about cyberpunk technology even in Blade Runner which is obviously a pit of human misery there's still something really yeah, exciting about there's, there's some humour in that as well yeah. where he poses as a as that guy to get backstage with the um, yeah. with Zora and and I, I, I still maintain it's not a good scene no it's <laughs> not a good scene it's humour though yeah they, they try a bit, a bit of humour in it and there's still excitement about these huge cities and the, the way the music and the kind of the cityscape evokes a certain feeling of awe mm. and, and that's awesome whereas in Mankind Divided it's like look at this cesspit yeah. <laughs> uh, it's got lots of neon lights in it but it's still a cesspit and you know you're going to have to wade through it yeah. um, so yeah, I, I felt a little bit bummed out by it <laughs> in yeah. a way which I wasn't expecting so I, was, I, I really get excited about cyberpunk normally yeah. but despite that it is yeah. it's great though <laughs> it's pretty fun it's a fun game on a systems level it does sort of build on the human revolution yeah. so you've got most of the same orgs return uh, a bunch of new ones are added and like for all the faults in the game Adolf Montreal will really have like knocked out of the park in terms of level design mm. like, the actual design of these environments from from a, a gameplay perspective like for, like actually how you make your way through them the different routes and stuff yeah, is it's awesome. really satisfying to work through in almost all cases yeah, it's true. except for some bullshit in the first mission which is just like that just tutorial mission the scene isn't it yeah it's true. Like I, I even loved Gollum City as a kind oh, of yeah. Like the, the actual mission in Gollum City is it, a nice hub. But mm. The mission like through the throat, I thought was really strong. yeah, really exciting. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's great. I think we've boned about it quite a lot, but yeah, it's awesome. Um, that's <laughs> it's really good. Bring it back to the good bit. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure, for like, sure, for sure. Yeah. It's really good. This is a game we've all scored pretty highly. Yeah, like, for sure. And yeah, I think it's a great immersive sim attached to. I think quite a rubbish story. Mm. I think part of that comes to like what you land on, like what what your preference is in terms of the games you play. I think something probably it probably says something about us that we've all scored it fairly highly uh, because it is a great systems game. Yeah, for sure. The, the design and planning of all that has been so well done if you're looking for a great cyberpunk story you haven't found it in Deus Ex like it's not mm. it's not what any of the Deus Ex has been really mm, true. like uh, the, the I mean the, the original game is just everything in the kitchen sink garbage it's like every conspiracy that has ever yeah. been muttered everyone, Area 51 great aliens everyone forgets yeah. that bit <laughs> the greasels and greasels, that whole section whatever the fuck yeah, and yeah like, <laughs> there is some shit in that game it's true it's not a series with a strong through line particularly I, th I think it's because uh, I actually liked Jensen and Human Revolution and so it felt, felt like a missing chunk for him just to be this kind of it seemed like blank, blank slate it seemed like in Human Revolution they were still giving the option to be like yes yeah, you could be the oh I never mm. asked for this yeah asshole or you could be fucking arm chisels is great man yeah loving ten, it ten out of ten and it seems like in Mankind Divided they've sort of picked up just assuming everybody went with never asked for this that was the mm. default Jensen it's because that bloody meme it's because of, of, of fucking oh, that, memes. Of that memes ruined Deus Ex. Yeah. Although they didn't ruin it because this is a very good game. Yeah. I, really, I, I still want them to make Deus Ex forever because I, I keep wanting yeah. to see their new city hubs and Absolutely. more of those levels. And and it's great. It doesn't look like there'll be more of this. Like they've actually Hope got so. a system in with for extra DLC. Like there's some pre-order thing that I haven't bothered playing yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's it's also breach mode. Has anyone played yeah. breach mode yet? No, I don't think the servers are on yet. Like there's there's a, there's a mission within the game that's like, hey, this is a tutorial for breach mode, and it yeah. seems kind of pointless. We'll see. Yeah. We'll jump but, into that. Yeah, there's a lot here. There's a uh, an excellent set of levels that you can chuck people out through. Cool. 
so should we move on to some questions? Yeah. We didn't actually get any new questions, but we did have a bunch that weren't answered last week. So, I'm really interested in the player character having a significant impact on the game world. A bad example would be Skyrim. Even after winning the war and beating the end dragon boss, the world is still the same and guards still take the piss out of me. Any examples of games where you have a significant impact on the world? Any thoughts on the future of this? Um, that's from Chris Pugh. He's so right about Skyrim. As soon as I finish Skyrim... <laughs> you want at least someone to fucking say, yeah, oh, well done for literally saving us all. I went to High Throfgar straight away because I was like, yo, I killed Alduin. Yeah. Yeah. And like, no one, none of them blind men up the hill cads. <laughs> literally their job to care about. <laughs> yeah, that that's stuff. the whole reason for yeah, being that's, that's the reason for their existence. Yeah, that was, and, yeah, that's yeah, really was... annoying. And like, you can be, it's so stupid with Skyrim as well, you can be like simultaneously like head of the Thieves Guild, head of, yeah. you know, the uh, mm. college... And like no one cares that you're like the most uh, sort of ambitious person. Yeah, <laughs> no kind one cares of that you can be real. simultaneously like the most heroic figure, like head of the fighters yeah. guild. It's all like honor, yeah. and and then also the most duplicitous murderer. Yeah, yeah. head of a, a order of assassins. Yeah, that's ludicrous. What what games can you really make a? So the question is, what games can you make a, a genuine impact on the world? Yeah, that's the question. <laughs> It's not something games are particularly great at. It's really hard to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to have a whole world change according to your your decisions. What about um, Fable series? The Fable games had some kind of consequences that changed the world based on time skips and stuff like that, didn't they? Had I played them, I would be able to... (laughs) On a small (laughs) scale, Dishonored, if you have high... If if you kill a lot of people, there'll be more zombies, (laughs) more infected and rats on the streets. Yeah. That's changing It's a change, yeah. That is... Uh, it's got its own problems that system yeah I guess you're looking at stuff like um, Tor Fortress and Minecraft and those things where you can literally just rebuild the world according mm. to your whims yeah well, uh, um, yeah no <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had something there that's a really hard one that's it, a hard is, question to ask difficult. It's, it's so much easier to point out games that have done this badly uh, and make fun of yeah. them than to actually think I mean there are some in some Infinity Engine RPGs you can like make a decision that changes uh, a town or in Pillars of Eternity actually you can a decision you make can change a whole town or a, hmm. a, a you know a group of characters or a faction but it's nothing uh, yeah nothing I think um, the Megaton quest in Fallout 3 yeah, that's, is yeah, one that's of the a, few examples one, yeah, you, of you can either, yeah, destroy it or just leave it, leave it there that's a, that's a good one yeah. it's a very binary choice yeah it's not subtle but it, but it's, it's, yeah. it, it, it does are, feel like you've affected things there are, there are similar sort of things like for the end of Fallout 4 one in particular like one of the outcomes can have a marked effect on a particular area within the game mm-hmm. but as in Skyrim as a Bethesda RPG you'll then talk to a person and they don't give a fuck <laughs> yeah. that you've just done this yeah. thing so I guess that's that's a big area for improvement just add games. more words just add a word saying yes yeah play a character hmm. I recognise your achievement you don't need to, the words like you just have them give you a thumbs up and smile <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. whenever you just kind of you know like, that's fact, all the recognition I need no collect that's ten mushrooms that's got to be Good a job. fairly easy thing to mod in is after after you finish this main quest <laughs> everyone, everyone just, just gives you a thumbs up <laughs> <laughs> and boom so yeah we, we, answers we've that question that game it. dramatically yeah, not enough no games let you make massive but, but there's practical reasons for that and that they'd have to 
that we design the world, you know? Yeah. Like, we write all the dialogue for something that you might not even do. An absurd amount of work for something yeah, a lot of players will never yeah, see. I guess only a, a, a small percentage of players ever do, yeah. But all, all you have to do is make one ha- thumbs up animation, and <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the problem <laughs> solved. Is that too much work? <laughs> I mean. I'll go mocap it for you. Skyrim is really bad generally for um, reactivity. We, you know, that where you're dressed in full Daedric armor. Yeah, and that's true. On your appearance, so uh, no, no one mentions the fact that you're wearing like cursed ancient armor. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a mace that eats people's souls, and it wasn't like uh, it, was, it wasn't you know you wouldn't look at that mace and think that won't it eat someone's soul. <laughs> soul. It's because it, it had just a giant gaping t- like toothy mouth. I found it in a basement. Is it the mace of more like Bar- yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, I, I, I based my entire playthrough around that mace actually okay. I just turned evil as soon as I picked it up that's a cool game alright uh, this from Thomas Rice just curious what your thoughts were on sites like Metacritic and OpenCritic do you think sites like this are useful also do you think it's fair that some game companies will make bonuses dependent on what score a game gets on Metacritic I have used Metacritic occasionally in the past but will generally use OpenCritic now when I want to see the, what a game's average review score is uh, I understand if you can't answer this question since PCG may have a business relationship with these sites. We, we, no, really, we don't. Really <laughs> don't. I know a story about a very high profile big video game where the people that made it didn't get a bonus because they were one point short of yeah. the publishers. It's not uncommon. Really. Mm. Which is really shitty. Yeah, yeah I think to, to answer some of the easier questions on this, no play, uh, PC gamer has absolutely no business relationship with we'll these just sites. Yeah. yeah, they just they just crib out verdict. I like him. I yeah, it's I like good. when a game comes out or a film, whatever, I can just look at all the reviews yeah, yeah, from, place, from a practical perspective. I don't think it, it changes the world or anything. I think it's it's interesting and it's a useful resource if you want to just link out, uh, get a place to you know read all the reviews quickly. Yeah. Um, I think it, it becomes problematic when people start attaching people's salaries to it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's hugely mad. Is like because the idea that because I think one of the bigger problems with Metacritic is it does homogenise scores and it means that sites aren't are disincentivized from having their own scoring system, yeah. which is important to a site's identity, is like how you score things. Like uh, the the idea that a five star system is the same as a hundred point scale. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're completely different things. A, a three stars, three stars feels completely different to sixty. Mm. Yeah. You can't then just flatten them out and then expects to, and then have a publisher say, well, you know, you only scores this from a Metacritic, so fuck your bonus. And yeah. that's not necessarily Metacritic. I mean, it's not Metacritic's fault if a publisher does that. That's just that's just a shitty thing that an employer did. Uh, like a, a PC game at eighty doesn't mean the same thing as an Edge eight. Like no. it, it's different. Publications have different ways of evaluating games anyway. So I mean, it's it's mad for those assume those numbers even mean the same thing but it's, it's kind of just it's interesting on a casual level just to look at it and go oh that's kind of roughly this yeah. sort of number and yeah. or, or, or it's, it, it's good for um, if you just want to see okay an entire genre like RPGs what RPGs in 2015 and just kind of go average top to bottom and actually kind of get a sense of yeah. what's good and what's it's like you get a loose sense from that data, but it's not like I don't think we're fans of it as a it's, it's not concept, the full story so. is it like that's the problem is like it's it's nice to like as a as a critic and a massive egoist, I will check out Metacritic scores for games I've reviewed after I've reviewed them to go. 
Mm. <laughs> so that's what other people thought. I used to remind myself of what I've scored games, so I don't want to get myself. <laughs> yeah. Also, that, yeah, that's yeah. helpful. Oh, I've quite a lot of 73s lately. I should probably oh, yeah. oh, mix it up a bit. It's different from Metacritic and having pages specifically for reviewers where yeah. you can see how much lower you score than other yeah. other, other of your peers, <laughs> which is interesting. I like that, but it's of no value to anyone but me. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's really no need for anyone to know that, but yeah. There's, there's something there's something perversely pleasing about scoring one percent lower than on average. Yeah. Than mm. I guess there is some value to that for reviewers, uh, for readers, where they can they read, they see a review and then they go through <laughs> the profile and yeah. go, "Well, you oh, know, he's a contrarian bastard." Yeah, <laughs> bless him. Yeah, it's like yeah, you know, oh, he oh, he's too he's too lenient on games. Oh, or or if, I think it's it's not it's quite nice actually because if you look at a critic and say, "Okay, this." This critic likes these sort of things. I know, I also like those sort of things. Then you that, can weight their opinion differently in your estimation. That is the most helpful way to do reviews. Yeah, is to, is to find the people whose tastes align to you, or who you at least know well enough that even if their tastes don't align, it's for reasons that you understand. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know. Does Metacritic help that? Uh, maybe, but sometimes it's nice to know if a game gets a sixty from somewhere. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's all numbers, isn't it? So, from Kevan, uh, what is the best gaming level in 2016, and why is it Hitman Sapienza? And this was actually written out, this was read out by Sam last week, but we kind of skipped over it because we had recorded for what seemed like forever, and were possibly having a self-indulgent mental breakdown. So, uh, I'm going to return to it this week and actually say, well, okay, what is... The best gaming level of 2016. Sapienza is, is extremely good. Is it which is Very a good. strong contender? Um, the bank now the bank. for me. Alice's bank in Dennis X. That is uh, another. It's hard because you've got to think about every game that's come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at once. All the bits of them. Uh, Any um, which have some pretty good levels like. Uh, I like Defandry actually, which is yeah, just, oh, yeah. I played that last night, night and yeah. it was a nice Labyrinthian mess. Yeah, it's nice. Through. Through. Making you backpedal from Hell Knights on, on precarious mm. platforms above lava is yeah. just a great bit of doom. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? It's, yes. it's one of those levels that level really understands design. what's good about our game systems, which is, which is what you want. Have we got anything else? What other games came out? What's the best level in No Man's Sky? Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, There's like 18 quintillion of them, so... There's been a few good ones. (laughs) I like the bit in... um, What's the best dinosaur? The bit bit with the whale and Absu was amazing. Mm. That's Mm. a level. The whale level in Absu. It's it's a bit, yeah. I really like that bit in Inside, where you're sort of going over this uh, bridge and there's these... Pulse wave. Oh, yeah. Did you like that bit? I really like that. That's the bit me, me and Sam were talking about hating that bit. Really? Oh, that interesting. Bit. No, yeah. I, I really liked it. And I liked it mostly because, like, for a while it was like, oh, yeah, this is just some puzzle systems that whatever. But there's a bit where you figure one puzzle out and then the pitch and tone of it changes when it hits and it layers some music in the background. And I'm a sucker for that bullshit. <laughs> so that's that's when it had me. That's when it was like, yeah, this is some, this is some art right here. I'm trying to think of uh, which are three places or missions. Yeah, two songs, I guess. It's, it's too kind of big, isn't it? You, yeah. <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't it's cheating, isn't it? On yeah. other developers. Hmm. Most of the good bits in that game take place like, just out in the... General's countryside, world. yeah, it's true. Otherwise, it would wine cellars. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, like in terms of a bit of uh, game design, Sapienza is brilliant. 
played it more than any other Hitman level hmm. so far. It's I think it is the best Hitman level to date, although I've not played Bangkok yet. It's Bangkok's alright, it's another big house. I was obsessed with big houses mm. as well. I time. suppose it's been a while since we've had a big house. Like, well, the big house in Paris, the big mansion in Sapienza, yeah. the um, big house in what was the third one? The third one was your yeah Marrakesh. Yeah, that big house. A, fair enough. Uh, yeah, that, that wasn't really housey. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, and embassy. Bangkok's yeah, the Bangkok level was actually really good. It's some interesting stuff going on there. But yeah, Sapienza's if it, Sapienza feels really like feels really city like mm, you know yeah. I mean? like mm. it's got the sort of curvy streets and it doesn't feel like a boxy no city. it's true it feels yeah. like a, it's quite off kilter to itself isn't it yeah. it's got it's also got a really nice combination of kind of nesty little intricate streets and then open big sight lines yeah, and, yeah. and it's really it's nice you've got your open areas you, yeah. you've got the big house because sometimes you just need a big house yeah. to do stuff in and yeah, very nice it's a great level yeah it's a really nice balance of different Styles, I guess, yeah, sure. which is what helps. I'm, I'm trying to look up what other games are out because Andy, remember earlier when you gave a teaser, you were like, we should definitely. What smells? Smelling game. <laughs> we'll, smells. We'll open that one up as well. We didn't forget. It. Well, I think the uh, I've already got an answer for this because yeah, I already thought about this. You thought about but this. the worst smelling game would have to be Silent Hill Two. No, oh, yeah. Uh, reeks. Just all the sort of oh, yeah. fleshy nurses. Mm. Uh, mm. Uh, horrible, rusty. I bet it smells like metal and blood. Yeah. Rusty and horrible yeah like fetid but it's really warm as well in a horrible stifling way yeah it's kind of mould just sort of floating yeah, in the air like, inhaling yeah. it someone actually yeah and discussing this previously someone said um, rapture would stink you know when you get that damp oh yeah, oh, yeah it's dank good. the yeah. whole place would be a smell problem. damp yeah. um, nice smells I'd say Skyrim would smell like pine needles and sort of fire wood yeah nice that's probably quite nice. You start selling these scents as candles, Andy. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. Yankee candles, but for games. Yeah, Fallout's gamer well candles. Pongs a bit. <laughs> gamer candles. Well, Fallout's well probably pongs a bit. That's not going to be. Yeah. yeah. Imagine that smells quite dusty and dry. Yeah. And sort of concrete. <laughs> mm. uh, I want to smell the boss fight from Metal Gear Solid Three in that kind of massive flower bed oh, yeah. yeah I bet it smells like too too fragrant no sickly sickly with, with a hint of desperate combat sweat yeah. <laughs> just over the tone like, oh that's so meaningful and deep <laughs> yeah yeah smells in games there's a, there's a feature to be right on this maybe I'll write that feature these are the best and worst smelling games <laughs> in my head <laughs> yeah. uh, right is that is that everything have we did you remember the, the old, like, on PlayStation, didn't they used to have, like, scratch and stiff discs? Yeah. So, like, Gran Turismo had the smell of fake engine oil. And really? So a football game that smelled and a like grass. One of the FIFA yeah. games mm. smelled of grass that just sort of emanated from your console. It's unnecessary. We just really haven't tapped into the full potential <laughs> of smell technology yet, and it's a shame. Oculus sniffed. <laughs> that would have been a that. way better... I guess Oculus is... Yeah. The trademark, yeah, so they can't. Got, but that, that. that is way better... <laughs> The Noculus. Is, is that the South Park thing? The Noculus no, no, Rift? No, 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 Noculus Rift, that's it. I just did, yeah, it doesn't work as well. No. <laughs> I think we're petering out here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think nine. So, yeah, on that, uh, we'll see you next week when Sam will be back to rein us all in. Yeah.